Okay, in this episode, we are going to be discussing uh, the topic of ARM CPUs, desktop computers. Is the 2024 the year of uh, ARM on the desktops and related topics? And while I'm pretending to do the introduction, he's trying to do the preparation for the episode because, you know, various reasons, because it's funny, of course. And right now he was checking the information about ASML and some other uh, related inf uh, uh, related topics. Okay, with that being said, let's roll the intro. This is the new episode of That IT Show Podcast. Roll the intro and let's start. Okay, so, so did you, what did you learn in the past 15 seconds? Uh, 15, I was trying not to, 50. Yes, I was trying to, I was trying to uh, relearn some of the things because I was, uh, basically when I uh, decided that this is going to be my proposal for an episode, mm -hmm. uh, the thing that I was thinking about was completely different. I was trying to compare... Uh, ARM architecture, and this is a big, a big point, architecture itself, mm -hmm. against what is right now called x86 okay. or x64. x86-64, uh, okay. Yes, or however it is called. Okay. Against um, whatever right now is the rest of the market, because I don't know if the rest of the market even exists. Risk five, but yeah, no, not really. And... Um, I was trying to uh, trying to find out is there any available data on the market share of the architectures, not the companies themselves, because what the uh, market share uh, trackers, uh, being it Gartner or whatever, are doing is they're uh, tracking companies. So they're tracking uh, AMD versus Intel versus uh, ARM, which is completely nonsensical. Um, AMD. Uh, Intel and ARM are producing completely different things. For the first thing, ARM is, isn't producing anything. They are outsourcing everything. They are just an architecture company. So they are creating company, architectures. Yeah. Uh, they are creating architectures. Uh, Intel is partly creating their own architectures, uh, partly buying stuff from other people, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, and AMD also is uh they are basically the full stack so they had their own uh, foundries uh, if i remember correctly i'm not sure it's a completely separate company yes but they they are able to produce their own processors so, so is intel yes okay so, so is intel but we are going to talk about this <laughs> in a little bit i know i'm just sliding it in nicely for you uh so basically uh my first notion was that we are going to be talking about uh, how ARM architecture is going to go into the desktop. Because what I, uh, what I see right now is that ARM is probably going to win over uh, the older architectures. Um, and by winning, I mean having the most uh, risk ARM-based units in the different, uh, in different uh, devices. Having said that, uh, a few things came into uh, perspective. First, ARM is probably right now the winner of the architecture war. Uh, because all the mobile phones, all the Apples, all the, basically all tablets, all whatever. other devices other than desktop PCs based on Intel are based on ARM. So we are probably... And laptops based on Intel. Yes, but, but the, the processors based on Intel make a small portion of the processors that are uh, being uh, created right now. Okay. And all the GPSs of the world, all the TVs of the world, all the different devices are more or less based on ARM technology uh, uh, as is. Okay. So there is billions of billions of uh, devices that are out there that are ARM-based. Mm -hmm. uh, my concern right now is I want to talk about the desktop. Okay. Because I want to talk about the user-facing uh, interfaces that the people are used to. Okay. Uh, if you are using your TV, you are not expressly uh, thinking about, okay, now I'm using ARM. You mm -hmm. don't care. Yeah. You just want your uh, TV remote to work. You are not expecting your um, your uh, keyboard to work. You want your remote to work. I do. Uh, I have news for you. I bought a new LG TV 
a couple of weeks ago, and it has a separate channel called uh, Work From Home. You can directly connect to virtual PC, you can directly connect to a remote desktop, and you can directly connect to a few other things. I like this product. You can connect You can connect a mouse and keyboard directly to the TV, and then you can work on the 4, uh, 4K 55-inch uh, uh, TV. I like that a lot, uh, although I wouldn't use LG for OS reasons. I much prefer Android TVs, and I'm not the only one. Um, WebOS has its own merits. Yeah. Uh, so does Tizen, but nobody wants to buy those. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to go with. Uh, I bought it because it was cheap. I know. Uh, uh, this is what uh, he's using as a monitor right now. Yes, I'm using this as uh, one of the monitors because uh, when it comes to uh, comparing prices of the technology, and this is my uh, since this is the Christmas time, and I was comparing a lot of prices of a lot, lot of different technologies. The price comparisons of different things that you are able to buy today is completely insane. Mm -hmm. If you want to buy a smart a smart mouse, mm -hmm. let's say a high-end mouse that is going to be, I don't know, a Logitech or any gaming mouse, you are going to be wasting probably upwards from 120 to 150 euros for the mouse. Mm -hmm. I got my TV that is five, a 55-inch TV for 350 euros. Mm -hmm. So more or less for the price of, I would say, two and a half mices, you get a completely functional TV, okay. which works. Mm -hmm. And this is insane. Okay. I like but, that a lot. Yes, but that, that's... that's. So are you getting closer to your idea of uh, what uh, somebody called uh, the NASA command center at home? Uh, right you know what now, I'm talking about. No, no, what, what I'm right now pushing for is to have... Um, the number of screen to be b uh, greater than the number of rooms I have. I and like it a lot. I have it already. Yeah. Yes, exactly you have it that. already because you have a smaller flat. Yeah. But uh, this is the this is the thing. But I think that I'm already over it. If you take uh, take into account the uh, laptops, but leaving aside this huge tangent that we started with. No, it's not. Let's go it's back. Still ARM based. Let's go back to the ARM. Mm -hmm. uh, Windows on ARM is coming. Yeah. It is inevitable that it's going to be on the market. Uh, they're going to call it Windows 12, probably, because Windows 11 on ARM is going to be much uh, worse than uh, Windows 12. As I said jokingly yesterday, maybe they will call it Windows AI or... Uh, Copilot. Or uh, Cortana, Windows, or... Um, yeah, Cortana is done. Yes, Cortana is done, unfortunately. Um, Fortunately. No, no, I, I like the idea of uh, each company having their own pet. Mm -hmm. So uh, Google has uh, having Bard, uh, Microsoft having Cortana, back Apple to having Let's Siri. Go back to ARM. So basically, uh, they want to uh, dehumanize the Windows once again, and uh, I'm expecting either uh, Windows 12 or some amazingly stupid name like uh, I don't know. Windows Double Vista or something. Can I interject for a yes. second? We already have a very good system uh, that runs desktop OS on ARM CPU. It's called Apple. Yes. And I think that this is going to be one of the things that is going to push Windows. Okay. Why? Uh, more and more people are coming to grips that uh, what used to be a problem, and the problem was that you couldn't use uh, Mac OS in any normal conceivable way because it was so different than windows is slowly becoming a thing over the past and most of the applications that are able to run right now are able to run on both on apple and, and windows uh, and the price difference between the apple products and the uh, um, equivalent windows products is shrinking it is not shrinking in uh, the europe as much as in the uh, us but all, it is shrinking. The amount of money I'm going to—I uh, paid for this particular laptop. Zero euro. Uh, okay, but the amount of money I paid for this particular laptop. Let's imagine that I paid for it, uh, and the amount of money I would have paid for a similar laptop based on Intel, probably a ThinkPad, is uh, shockingly small. Uh, this one is was under a thousand euros. Uh, an equivalent um, uh, ThinkPad would probably be a thousand and six hundred, one thousand seven hundred euros. So seventy percent more than this this laptop. And this laptop is uh, right now is better. And this is one of those things. Where Why is it better? Uh, 
longer battery life, much uh, quicker. Uh, the only thing that I care about is the time it takes for the laptop to come to its senses so I can actually work on it. Yeah, I wanted you to outright state that. And because I it's look... You do understand that it, that's completely arbitrary. Yes, yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. But this is a tool. It I is. want I want my tool to be available as quickly as possible. So I want the quickness of the iPad on a PC that can be used. Okay, hibernate and, the PC and that's that. Yes, but uh, try to do it. Try to do it on uh, Windows, and you are going to uh, be uh, seeing considerable lag uh, when it comes to hibernating. And I can charge this one every week or so. It has sixteen hours of uh, sixteen hours of work time uh, in the battery, so I usually charge it over the weekend or something when I remember to do it, and it's available uh, in the entirety of the week and I don't, don't need to wait for anything. And this is one of those things that I liked about ARM. Now let's talk about the future because the, the right now what we have is Intel being confused. Uh, you are the Intel fan guy, so... Um, oh, really? You, you're much, much, much more fond of Intel than I am. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe it's because the uh, Pat Gelsinger was working for VMware before, and we both know that he was the... Uh, yeah, right. That's the reason. But we both know that he, he is an actually good CEO. Yeah. And it's amazing that he uh, d d created some decisions that apparently don't make any sense right now. Like? Like completely dismissing uh, ARM as an architecture. That's what CEOs and then do. Buying, and then buying parts of the architecture from another provider, calling them tiles, and then creating what is best called a puzzle CPU. Like, like AMD. Like AMD, but this is the first time that Intel did this. Yeah, but they did it for different reasons, not for those. Yes, okay, but it's, it, it is starting to get confusing. Okay. Uh, also, Meteor Lake. Mm-hmm. Are we completely sure how this architecture actually looks like? Everybody's talking about Meteor Lake, mm -hmm. but I'm not completely sure if the architecture itself is completely on the market. So are the Meteor Lake uh, processes that we're seeing right now being tested, the process that we are going to, we are going to see? Are you they going to change the yeah. uh, architecture uh, mid-cycle? I don't know. I don't care. I do care because this is the... The uh, only thing that annoys the hell out of me is the, the product uh, naming scheme. Everything else looks rather fine to me. I know there are quite a few reviews already out. A lot of people are, you know, giving positive, let's say, thoughts about it. It's a completely new... It's a vast redesign of what Intel used to do. Yes. The next generation is going to be even greater redesign. And then we are usually... Uh, we are probably talking about... Uh, like near memory to the type of design uh, of of the CPU as well. So something akin to M1, M2, M3. So I don't know. Meteor Lake seems very reasonable. And a lot of people are saying that it delivers on both the, let's say, functionality standpoint and performance and power efficiency, which has been the bottleneck for a lot of Intel CPUs for quite a few years now. So I, I don't know. Maybe you know something that I don't. It's always uh, possible. It's not that I, I know, it, it's just uh, as a guy who was following the uh, CPUs for a long time, as you are, uh, Meteor Lake is the first time that I see that the CPU is broken into so many uh, distinct pieces. That it, it has AI engine as well. Yes, it has AI engine, it has multiple different cores, it has different cores, but it's not that, it's, it's that just that the chip itself, if you take a look at it, yeah, I know. Uh, it looks broken. It looks like it was uh, created out of uh, out of multiple uh, parts. Multiple parts, because it it, it was okay uh, due to uh, uh, them trying to keep the cost down, and due to complex reasons. Are you insinuating that this CPU reminds you of Pentium D? <coughs> Pentium Pro. Hmm? Pentium Pro. Why Pro? Uh, the one that uh, had the cache separated from the die, from the die with this, uh, the processor because they were trying to uh, lower the cost because they had problem in the process. Yes. 
Yes. Okay, I don't get that feeling, but again, maybe I'm off. Uh, the thing is that uh, since right now we are moving into P course, E course, uh, LPE course, we are talking about AI course, and this is starting to suspiciously look like we are moving into armed territory. Because AI cores are going to be uh, risk-based. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. They are not going to be risk. Okay. Uh, th there is no need to create an enormous amount of instructions for different cores. Uh, or it is not, uh, it, uh, it doesn't make sense to create sim uh, same instructions for different cores. Okay. So they are going to create cores that are going to be different. So what Intel is creating is a multiprocessor uh, computer inside your processor. P cores, E cores, LP cores. LP cores, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you are going to X have, have X E cores. Yeah, we like that even more. <clears throat> uh, so uh, this is the consistency of the naming. Okay. Mm -hmm. I no, have a problem with this. Me too, but let's not, go, not get into that. Uh, then trying to name it Core Ultra or Core. There he goes into it. No, 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 but uh, the consistency of naming uh, has... I, I know why they did it. Okay. Because calling it i7 would mean that uh, the processor itself is uh, homogenous. Okay. And we are talking about the processor that, processor that has four types of cores. Mm -hmm. So they needed to create another name for it. Because I think this is a multi-compute, multi-CPU system disguised as a single chip. I think that the, their primary intent was to copy paste apple but yeah i understand where you're going with that because ultra sounds so much better than i7 yes but uh, i7 would be the mis uh, misnomer so what they would, they would say probably say i7 multicore mm -hmm. or i7 okay. uh, because they are dropping hyper trading also yeah i know i heard that as well uh, so uh, suddenly you're going to have an i7 without hyper trading and with hyper trading which would and, be even cooler uh, yes so, uh, and the, other, the only thing that they could have done is to create additional prefixes or postfixes. So imagine uh, i7-h-mp uh, no. no. uh, mc-12. Hammer. <laughs> but we have also seen the, 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 those. Mm -hmm. So they had the numbers. Yeah. So we have seen the name, then the naming structure change. What I want to talk is... Uh, are we going to see more ARM-based uh, applications? Because the thing that I'm bothered with is not the architecture. It is going to change. Architecture change all the time. How much, how much time do you think it will, it, will, it will take developers to switch over to be able to use all those cores? Two generations. Because right now on M1, it has been, what, two years? Mm, roughly, maybe roughly. a little bit more. Uh, yeah. Roughly. Right now, I think it's something like 17% of the applications are able to run on the ARM itself. Yeah, but PC ecosystem is much, much bigger. Yes, PC ecosystem is much bigger. But when it comes to user application, it's not that it's so much bigger. It is. Uh, when it comes to specialized application, it is. But you could also say that there are also specialized applications on the uh, Mac system that are uh, given, for example, for in, in the video industry and audio industry. Uh, this is the standard, mm -hmm. not the PC. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the applications themselves are going to be uh, are going to be ported over. I think the specialist applications are not a good case, because if you want, for example, I don't know, um, name one application designed for uh, video rendering, uh, DaVinci. What they first did is they created. Um, they created a version that is able to run on ARM because they have to do it. They know that the person who is going to uh, be using the uh, M1, M2, and M3 is going to be dependent on the power of the ARM that it has in the uh, in the Apple uh, uh, that it has. So DaVinci needs to run as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things. So specialist applications could be, be upgraded first. Applications like Office are going to be a problem because mm. Office is running in the uh, compatibility mode right now. And it's doing so very well. I wouldn't call it well, very well. I would. Um, okay, let's, let's disagree on this. Okay. 
because what I can I can show you is if I uh, okay Chrome is now open for me here. Unfortunately, I don't have I don't have it plug it plug it in. But right now my Chrome is uh, my Chrome is uh, my Chrome is closed. I'm going to open Chrome. Let's wait for it. And now it's open. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to say I want my Safari. It's open. Mm -hmm. This is the difference between uh, the ARM-based application and Intel-based application. Okay. So roughly three times the uh, three times the speed, uh, load speed. Okay. And this is something that needs to be addressed. Okay. Because three hundred percent is big, is a big difference. I don't think that this is the the part of the IT history in which we are going to have the the story of multi-core CPUs. Okay. Because if we were to, if that was to happen, that would be incredibly stupid, wasteful, and it would alienate a lot, basically the whole market. So I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, for those of you who don't understand the metaphor, we are still running a mostly single-threaded applications even to this day, especially on the desktop side. But even server applications, they don't necessarily scale well with uh, with more cores, for example. So I don't necessarily see this as a problem because uh, for because of the market size, the developers do have a huge incentive to actually make these applications. Uh, available as soon as possible uh, on, by using native architectures. There's a lot of competition at the end of the day, especially because of the AI and some other things that are getting yes. built in into applications. So if developers are too slow, then the market is going to eat them from that perspective too. I'm not saying that that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying uh, because uh, I really don't care if ChatGPT tells me something in Microsoft Word, be it on Intel or on ARM's CPU. I just don't care. Um. I would I would guess that I do care because from my perspective, uh, running Word mm -hmm. on um, okay, so running Word on uh, your laptop, uh, my laptop. Let me open a new document or whatever. Um, is something that I want to be as quick as possible. Because the main reason that I'm buying a laptop like this, mm -hmm. so lowish end that laptop, is probably to be able to run Word, able to run PowerPoint, able to run uh, Excel, web, Excel web, web browsing, browser. and that's it. A bit of multimedia, and that's that. I'm not going to use the Apple Writer. I'm going to use Word. And the thing is that I want my applications to run as good as, as quickly as possible. So. I think there are some applications that need to be done in a certain way uh, and they need to follow the speed of the desktop. Do you think that that's actually a problem that's going to uh, end up hurting uh, Windows on ARM? No, I think that the problem that is going to hurt Windows on ARM is are going to be the drivers. Okay, we can already see that in Mac world. Yes, because the, what Mac has and Windows doesn't is that uh, Mac is much more coherent when it comes to drivers because they have uh, the, the uh, usage base or the hardware base that they are based on is much, 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 much smaller than the PC. Uh, PC yeah, one. but you cannot extend it with almost any of the hardware devices on any of the uh, uh, Apple models. Yes. And that's a problem. Yes, this is one thing. And uh, when I mean, drivers are the problem. Yes, and when it comes to Windows, the way the kernel of the Windows is is created is designed right now, mm -hmm. porting all those devices into ARM is going to become a problem. Okay, and it's going to become a huge problem. So this is one of those problems that need to be solved before we see desktops that work. And again, Microsoft has years and years of experience of developing Windows for ARM. This is not their first release. Yes, but uh, even after years and years and years of experience, uh, graphics cards don't work. Okay, that's uh, up to NVIDIA, Printing AMD. system doesn't work. Yeah. Networking sometimes breaks down. Just like on Apple. Uh, okay, that's true. <laughs> but uh, having years of experience uh, does... I mean, I'm not defending them, just saying. No, uh, it's... The speed of the development is such that uh, they cannot simply just move uh, move around. They need to stop, rethink, and redo the drivers now. Okay. I have a question for you. Yes? Try to put yourself in the shoes of your younger self 
and think about, uh, for example, a situation in which Microsoft uh, developed Windows for ARM, let's say 12, and let's say that that Windows 12 on ARM works on this machine, okay. or some, you know, comparable machine like that. Okay. Would your younger self want to use that and compare that if there is a comparison to be made? Uh, to a situation in which you start using Windows 12 on ARM next year? That's just a non-question. I'm using Windows 11. So I'm just the guy who's going to run whatever operating system is able to boot. Um, so you would basically, let's say, have a Project Volterra-based, uh, let's say, laptop? Yes, right now, yes. And Windows on top of it and everything is fine? I would try that, yes, in, in the blink of an eye. Okay, how do you think that would end up? Uh, from what I heard uh, of the guys who were running Project Volterra, uh, it would work because they were able to create entire development machines because this is the idea of the Project Volterra. And the idea was that they are running it for the last two three, or three years, years. Yeah. two or three years, at least at least two or three years. Mm -hmm. And this is the uh, this is the thing that is um, uh, that was the, the idea. I think this is the. Bridge between uh, x86 and ARM? Not, not only the bridge. I think this is the groundwork that Microsoft created in order to mm -hmm. be able to create the ARM uh, infrastructure so that they can move on when the ARM infrastructure comes. I mean, Visual Studio has been, uh, like, has supported uh, compiling for ARM for years. Yes, but so they have a project called Terra. What they didn't do is they didn't make it widely available. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the reason for this. Uh, I would guess that they are still waiting for Intel to decide because they have some sort of a deal with Intel, probably. There are rumors about deals with Qualcomm and others as well. Yes, but they have a deal with Qualcomm because Qualcomm is the, the one who is doing the uh, Project Volterra itself. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that there is a lot of politics going on, but from the standpoint of the operating systems, yes, I would use Project Volterra. There's another thing that you need to take into account. I mean, NVIDIA has a decade of experience of working with ARM architectures, even more, maybe even more. So absolutely nothing new from the good old days of Tegra chips. Yes, and okay. they announced the they announced the entire. Uh, they're announcing right now the CPU based on ARM. Yeah, and AMD is doing exactly the same as well. Yes. Mm. I'm saying that this is going to boil down to how well Windows. And how well devices that are legacy devices and Windows are going to work with the ARM. Okay, they're not going to be able to work with ARM. Okay, you have an Apple uh, UAD uh, audio card. Okay. Do you uh, really want to switch to Windows and make an investment that is going to make your much larger investment in the, in the universal audio? Uh, of course software? not. I'm going to keep on using it on my MacBooks because it works on all of them. Yes, this is one of those things. Okay. Uh, and now we are talking about enterprise hardware. So imagine not being able to print on the network printer because your uh, computer doesn't support network printing. Okay. Or imagine your uh, computer not being able to run some sort of application inside the, inside the company because it doesn't support whatever. The only thing that is, um, and that is, and I must say that this is a big thing that is interesting is that ARM did a hell of a job uh, in the um, cross-compiling and cross-running of the X86 uh, commands. So they are able to run it on the chip with difficulty, but it is comparably quicker than one would expect. Mm -hmm. So the That's the reason why I said that it's not such a problem. On, on uh, Apple specifically. On Apple specifically, yes. I think this is going to happen on Intel. But what I, what I hate about uh, Windows is that Windows somehow, somehow uh, always is able to shoot its own foot by creating a problem with the drivers. I have a question for you. Yes. And this is a fun one. Yes. I think you're going to uh, want to make an episode out of this. Don't you think that uh, it's kind of history repeating itself and we might end up in a situation of the early 90s when we had the whole OS2 meets Windows era? Uh, yes and no, okay. because I don't see a big uh, competitor to Windows right now. OS2 was IBM, mm -hmm. and IBM was huge. Mm -hmm. uh, Linux is here to stay. I don't think it's going to uh, become a desktop operating system that is going to be running the ARM simply because it won't. 
uh, macOS is pretty much established as an operating system. So you don't have the, uh, first you don't have the uh, operating system that is going to be a big competitor. And the other thing is that if you remember way back then, we also had different architectures. Mm -hmm. We had Cyrix. Many more. We had uh, Via, we had uh, AMD. They were pushing for their own versions of uh, architectures. After all, the 64-bit architecture that we have right now is the AMD's architecture yeah. that Intel begrudgingly had to accept. Mm, okay. Because they had to. Mm. They, they, they were late to the market. Yeah, they, 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 had to, they had to accept the new architecture because the architecture was there and it was working. So uh, I was actually being even uh, stupider trolled than that. Don't you think that Windows ARM versus Windows Intel will create that situation? That's what I was asking, which is completely insane, but still. I think Windows ARM versus Windows Intel is going to come down to how much uh, money is going to exchange hands. Because okay. Intel has a big chest. And they are able to pay their way into compatibility uh, with uh, Windows and into Microsoft not dumping uh, things. Uh, we have seen that Intel has made uh, errors in the past, like mm -hmm. Itanium. Uh, Itanium... For me, it was not a mistake, but okay. It technologically was, speaking. Technologically speaking, it wasn't a mistake, but uh, from any other standpoint, system it was crap. Yes. Uh, it, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, the problem was that they create. They made a deal with uh, HP, HP. Yeah. that basically meant that they had to uh, keep on innovating in the technology that was not viable as a commercial success. Mm -hmm. And Intel is going to make those kinds of deals because they need to make those kinds of deals and i wouldn't uh get the i wouldn't just put the politics out of all of this mm -hmm. so i would say that arm versus intel is going to be partly politics partly actual technology okay but do you think that taking all of this into account that arm is going to take over let's say more than 25 percent of the market of the desktop in, the in next, which time span next year no no freaking chance because I have seen, uh, we were talking, looking at the uh, numbers, the, uh, I would say, normal analysts think that ARM is going to take over 25% in the year 2027. Yeah, that's three years down the line. I think that's generous. Still don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be a much slower slope. Okay, but what, what happens if, uh, for example, uh, Apple suddenly decides that uh, they're going to switch over the, all the iPads to macOS. Okay. Then the market share of the ARM on the desktop all, all of a sudden is much, all, all sudden is much bigger. Inflated uh, in, in a non-necessarily natural way, but yes, I understand. Yes, but they have they have this, this thing in the sleeve. In the pipeline, yeah, yeah. Because they want to have this thing in the sleeve because if they, uh, if they miss, for some reason or the other, uh, on the market, what they can do is to fool the shell holders, just say, okay, now you can buy for the low price of forty ninety nine. You can buy a decently sized keyboard, and then your iPad is going to be your next uh, Mac. It's not. <laughs> Having said that, I know also that you tried, and many other people, and for a lot of people, that just doesn't work. You know that, so I don't feel the the urge to explain that to you. But the idea is still sound. I understand where you're going with this. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you on the basis of idea. I just tried it and it just doesn't work for me. That being said, if they kind of integrated both of these OSs and found a way to finally produce some kind of an interface which makes sense in terms of touch with the laptop, that might lead to something. I don't know. Uh, difficult to look into the crystal ball of future because, I mean, Modbooks, if you know about them, so those uh, that company that... Uh, basically you know, kind of like uh, takes the guts out of the existing Apple old ones and then uh, makes them into t t like touchscreen based ones. They've been doing this for years and they fell apart a couple of times and whatnot. That type of use case is still something that to me makes a hell of a lot of sense. So uh, imagine this with the touchscreen. I still think that that makes sense. Which, which would be like a use case hardware integration of these two devices. But I have been using the small laptops, ThinkPads mostly, mm -hmm. uh, that have the touchscreen for the last three or four years, five years. Mm. And 
I don't think that this is such a big of a case as you think it is. But we are not necessarily the uh, the intended use case for that. A lot of people really like this. Okay, but once you have a laptop, you tend to like the idea of your laptop ba basically being a stand for your uh, for your screen, and then having a large uh, a mouse large pad? mouse pad or pad or touchpad, however you however you call it, makes much more sense than trying to scroll on the screen and uh, still people do it yes this is completely incomprehensible to me but on the other hand you do it as well i've seen you do it uh, sometimes yeah. sometimes rarely but sometimes uh the thing is that uh my problem with uh what is happening right now is that for the first time in the last 30 years no i would say 10 to 15 years okay I have absolutely no idea what is going to be how come next. That's good. Because we were used to, I don't know, you had Windows 7, then you got Windows 8, then you got Windows 8.1, then you got Windows 10, then you got Windows 11. So the Windows were just ticking and talking away. Um, either, uh, even not versions were behaving differently. One was crap, one was working. You got used to this. Tick and talk uh, in, on Intel meant um, architecture first, then improvements, then architecture, then improvements, and so on. Right now, you don't have that kind of reliability in predicting Stability. the future. Stability okay. in the future. There okay. is a disturbance in the force. Disturbance in the, yeah. That's yes, it. and right now, I honestly don't have an idea what is going to happen next. Yeah, me neither. I agree with you. And I want to hear your point. About what? What's going to happen? Yes. I don't see Windows going away in the next three to five years in terms of Intel-based x86, AMD, Intel, yes. whatever ecosystem. That's not going to happen. I do see ARM taking a significant chunk of the market for mobile, uh, specifically for mobile computing, because they're so much more efficient. It's just not even a story. I think that they already took the chunk of the market. If you count this, because there are basically no other devices that you can compare. Okay, but uh, all the mobile, mobile phones. No, all no, I'm tablets. talking specifically about laptops. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Specifically okay. laptops. Okay. Uh, that's that's what we're discussing, not these devices. Uh, in terms of everything else, that's a much bigger, uh, let's say, topic to discuss because in server space, the things are changing much more quickly. There are a lot of hyperscalers that have already bought a boatload of ARM-based environments. Uh, because it, uh, they have uh, like incredible amount of cores and whatnot for a variety of different products. Huawei has a whole stack of servers for that, for example, and some other companies. So that's actually changing significantly, but it's a part of a larger story, actually. It's a part of the story of tra transition to newer technology with some of the different bosses fighting for, for um, let's say, victory in the market, CCIX versus PCI Express, whatnot. But generally speaking, a lot of people do consider that PCI Express is here to stay, everything else is going to go away and whatnot. Not entirely sure about that. That's a topic for another day. I know this because I'm dealing with uh, high-performance computing environments as a part of my PhD study, so I see the shift there already uh, happening heavily. My initial uh, impression of ARM-based architectures on desktop um, basically is limited to this device. If you want to consider this device that, okay, and Raspberry Pi. Because everything else that I've used from the ARM world is hyperscaler type of technology, high-performance high computing-based environments. Um, I'm, I don't have a problem imagining ARM CPU being something used as a something, yeah, I know, I'm here. Yeah, I know. I know. No, no, but I'm talking about this particular case. Um, what I'm showing, uh, Vedran, is... Uh... Uh, there is uh, Astrox motherboard. Yeah, I know. I've uh, seen it a couple of months ago. It was released. We talked about it in one of the uh, episodes. Uh, yes, but uh, right now it's bundled with the CPU for euros. And this is this is something that can actually be a desktop. Yeah, I know. Because this... But which OS are you going to run in it? That's the question. Because the, uh, there's only one, Linux. Yeah, Linux. only one option, and you don't want that. That's, that was my point. You might want that. No, you don't. But for a particular usage, usage case. Yeah, but that's not the desktop use case, if you ask me. No, that, that's exactly what I was getting into. So if you were to use a Raspberry Pi as a metaphor for what I'm talking about, 
that being a smallish desktop platform. The only viable OS for that is Linux, nothing else. Using that, if you're using the, uh, the Raspberry Pi version of Linux, I don't know, it's not all that good. If you use the vanilla, let's say Ubuntu or something for the Raspberry Pi, which you could do, again, not a very, uh, it's not an excellent use case. Some things have changed over the past couple of years and have gotten better, but still. Uh, Linux on the desktop, as such, as we are going to discuss in one of the future episodes, and we've discussed this in many of previous ones, yeah, it's just not a topic for me. Windows needs to get there. And then we can have the discussion, but still, for the next three to five years, I don't see that happening on the desktop. Uh, Raspberry Pi is, uh, I think this is a completely wrong case because right I now... Know, but it's the only metaphor that we yes, have but, but readily Raspberry, available. Raspberry Pi is, has an uh, uh, identity crisis right now. Oh, I know. Uh, because Raspberry Pi um, uh, is something that is... It was intended for a different thing. Uh, it was intended... Uh, to be a fully functional cheap computer yeah. for $35. Let's remember this. Mm -hmm. The idea was to have a fully functional computer for $35. Right now, a fully functional Raspberry Pi with the case, with the power supply, with the ten memory, and everything else, it's going to be 10 times as much. Yeah. Uh, the lowish end Raspberry Pis, without anything, without the memory, without the storage, without everything, uh, the lowest specs is some, going to be something like $70. You need at least the power supply. You're going to need a micro SD card. A case. Okay, let's run it without the case because we are trying to save money. Okay. And you are suddenly running into the realm of uh, low-end, uh, small case uh, PCs based on uh, Atom or the s slowest uh, Intel processors available right yeah. now. And this is the problem that the Raspberry Pi has. Yeah. It was intended to be a small, cheap, available computer. And it's not, not uh, it's small. It's no longer cheap. And it's not, not longer, no longer available. Mm -hmm. That's the second problem. Mm -hmm. Because you were trying to buy it for your PhD and had a hell of a, hell of a problem. Uh, Still can't them. get them. Yes. Because if you want to have... Actually, the prices dropped heavily after they uh, introduced the new generation. Yes, but uh, is the availability... No, no, there? no. They are unobtainium. Completely unobtainium. So basically, but eBay for CM4. Yeah. So basically, in the Excel, your price has dropped, but you can, still cannot get the. Yeah, unobtainium for the new ones. The old ones actually started popping up on eBay for at fifty percent less than what they were a couple of months ago, which is still way too expensive. But yeah, and this is this is one of those things that I want that I want to uh, mention is that I am not counting Raspberry Pi as a desktop. I know. Again, it was a metaphor. Yeah, yeah okay, okay, but I'm not counting this as desktop. Okay. Uh, also, being able to connect a uh, keyboard and the mouse to your uh, uh, mobile phone, mm -hmm. that's not a desktop. Yeah, agreed. You can do it. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to, but you can do it. I also have a dedicated, somewhere at home, I have a dedicated uh, keyboard, uh, dedicated screen and a keyboard and mouse for the, you know, one of those uh, cheap uh, buy this combo... Uh, and then connect it to your computer, your de your uh, la uh, mobile phone, and then it becomes a desktop for you. Um, I got one of those. Like no, it's 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 no 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 it's it's not it's not 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 it. Um, my point is that we are going to see ARM on the desktop. Yes, I can't wait for it to happen. Actually, and I would like to see it as quickly as possible. Agreed. Because uh, I want to see. Uh, I'm not into liking ARM or wanting ARM as an architecture. I want to see all the applications recompiled mm -hmm. because what has happened in the last 30 years or so is that since not a lot of things changed, uh, the companies got uh, first greedy and then um, completely complacent, complacent mm -hmm. and they didn't make any effort into uh, trying to innovate in the software because they don't need to. Mm -hmm. They can just recompile the old version and the new version of the compiler and that's it. Uh, yeah. Now with the ARM, they're going to have to take a look into the code base and then hopefully things will change because they're going to be uh, switching over from 
using one, two, three, or four cores to using 128 cores. And this is going to create a core change in the, the way the architecture is designed. So hopefully the applications are going to get better. But the ARM CPUs that you're going to get for the desktops are still going to be, you know, two, four, six, eight, ten cores, no more than that. 128 is for server applications and for HPCs and whatnot. So that's not going to be the desktop component, I don't think so, at least. I mean, look at the price for starters. Right now, yes. Mm -hmm. But right now, <coughs> I think that nobody is trying to push for the core count because they don't have any need for the cores. No, but that was exactly the reason why I used the OS2 metaphor. I could have used another one, which would be even, even stupider. Because uh, if uh, you can envision a situation in which Intel has the Meteor Lake version 2 something which is style-based <clears throat> and uh, starts, let's say, producing ARM CPUs, which they can. They already have, I think, a licensing agreement with ARM. Uh, AMD produces some, NVIDIA produces some, you have Qualcomm and you have a couple of others. You might end up in the same situation that we had when you were mentioning Transmeta, Cyrix, IBM, and, and uh, you know, Intel and whatnot. That's exactly why I used the metaphor of OS2. And that didn't uh, really work well first time around, 40, 35, 40 years ago. And I don't think it's going to work now as well, especially having in mind the uh, semi-viable fact that uh, compiling drawer, drivers for all, uh, creating drivers for all of those systems is going to be very complex. Do you remember how much time it took to switch from Windows 32 to Windows 64? The first edition was Windows 64 XP, XP uh, yes. which nobody used. I, I installed it once, it worked, shut it down. I started using it with Vista, uh, which was right the next version after that. And the first version that actually worked with it was basically Windows 7, so two generations. Yes, and the reason was mainly drivers. Because and the, the, the simplest uh, explanation for this, because I looked it up, was that the drivers were, were unable to uh, address the memory correctly mm -hmm. because they weren't used to using the memory in the way it, it was used in the 64-bit systems. So they just had problems with memory allocation. And this was, it, this took, what, five years to solve? Something like that, yes. So I think this is going to be the biggest problem mm -hmm. because you have uh, now the legacy hardware uh, that is on the market right now or to be more precise, in the homes right now, uh, the number of devices is much, much, much bigger. On the other hand, you don't have that, that many different devices. I would actually go in the completely opposite direction. This offers Microsoft and others a chance to say that they're going to start from scratch with hardware support for Windows and ARM, not support all devices at all. Oh, so I see that this is what made Windows 11 amazing. When they introduced the Windows 11 and said we are not going to support all the uh, CPUs, that's and they had a viable reason why to not do it. Okay, okay, a job scheduler, but they had a viable reason to try to explain this. Nobody bought it. Yeah, and the TPM chip as well. And TPM but chip yes. was secondary. Secondary. Yeah. The idea was because all, almost all the processors uh, sold back then was uh, had the TPMs inside. But the idea was to be able to talk to the multiple different cores in the processor yeah, yeah, and to re reallocate them. But the thing is that nobody bought that idea. So Microsoft saying that they are going to release a new version of Windows that's going to be incompatible with everything else, they might as well call it uh, Windows Tombstone and then just uh, getting done with it. Bye-bye. Yes. And buried themselves down. You think? I don't think so. Uh, I, I really do not think so. I think that they could do that. What I think that they're going to do is sometimes down the line, they're going to uh, split the operating system line. Okay. I think that we are going to see moving uh, them moving away from uh, Windows. You mean x86? No, 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 no. From Windows as such. Okay. To what? I don't know. Cortana OS. <laughs> Uh, are we talking Fuxia OS? Like are we Google talking did. about the concept or are we talking about the product name? Product name. Okay. But I think that they are going to be moving away from the product because they, they're using this product name for the last 40 years. Uh, Served them well. Uh, Served them well. But they are experimenting with everything else. You know how the office is named right now. Yeah. To the detriment of office. 
Uh, what is the current name of the office? So I don't know. There are two parallel ones: two sixteen, two nineteen, whatnot, and then there's the three three sixty five versions. Uh, is it Azure Office? Is it the yeah, Office three sixty five? Is no. it just Microsoft three sixty five? Microsoft three sixty five. So we yeah, don't yeah, even know. know the Confusion. name of the thing that we are using. Yeah, they don't know the name of the product that they're, they're selling. Yeah, and so I see that they're going to try to do something like uh, what Google did with Project Fuchsia. Mm -hmm. Uh, because they need to separate the thing. So, is it going to be the ARM? Maybe. It's a huge opportunity for them to change some stuff. Also, uh, I saw a nominous uh, sentence when uh, Intel was introducing their new AI cores, and Microsoft said that they're going to support be supporting AI cores from the start. They <laughs> uh, The ominous sentence was that they said that... Uh, uh, in one of the articles that I read, they said that uh, the number of AI cores available for the uh, in, on the in the user space mm -hmm. is going to be much bigger than the number of AI cores available on the in the data centers. Mm -hmm. So there was a possibility that they're going to lend out the cores from the users. Are we going to do set at home in reverse order or something? Yes, <laughs> that's going to be freaking awesome. But I see, I see this being as a reverse Bitcoin thingy. Yeah, yeah. You're going to going to be paying for your Microsoft subscription by using your computer and your power to uh, power something from Microsoft. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Just reusing the same old ideas that we already went through. Uh, I'm right now, honestly, uh, waiting for somebody to launch a NetPC. Exactly what I was discussing with you yesterday when we were recording the episode. Yes. Like hybrid cloud laptop, basically remote VDI, you know, stupid thin client, something with thin Cro client PC. Chrome OS. Chrome OS, yeah. Yes. Exactly that. But I want, uh, I'm expecting something even more stupid than that. Okay. Please explain for, for the class. So I, uh, expe I'm expecting something that is going to have no memory, uh, no actual capability of storing anything uh, locally. Uh, and okay, everything is subscription-based. Everything is subscription-based, okay. and everything is connected directly to the cloud. So you are only going to have uh, some sort of um, GDI capability, not VDI, GDI, okay. so that you can just uh, dis uh, display objects on the screen, and that's it. We already had that. It's called uh, XMDCP. Or we call it uh, Windows uh, X server and uh, yeah, that's it. The remote X, you know. Yes, and I, it's it's time time is due to have uh, one of the technologies uh, reappear. You know, sometimes your insanity, is, you know. But it is going to happen. Yeah, I know. That's actually quite a viable uh, thought. And use uh, in, in the uh, it's not only that. Uh, when okay. you take into account, for example, uh, take a bank, for example. Okay. You have a you have a I don't know a bank that has I don't know twenty thousand uh, workplaces. Okay. Uh, they have twenty thousand users uh, using the monitor, a computer, and so on. Okay. If they are able to integrate the uh, terminal inside the monitor, okay, they are going to be uh, saving probably around let's say fifty to a hundred watts per user. Okay. So uh, multiply this by 20,000. This is the uh, immediate uh, cost reduction. Cost reduction. Okay. This is the one thing. Then the other thing is that security is much easier when uh, your computers are central based. So we are going to back to mainframes. We are going to back, go back to 1980s and to mainframes. Yeah. Yes. I love that. And this is, going to, this is going to happen also. You think? Somebody is going to try it. Sure. Because VMware, VMware screwed things up, so uh, I see that um, all the other guys are uh, happily waiting in line to... Uh, I don't know if there's, in terms of VDI, if they're screwing it up or not. It's difficult to say because, again, crystal ball. Uh, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I'm t way too, uh, you know, I'm not informed enough to form an opinion right now. I might in a couple of months when I see what's going to happen. But yeah, I'm getting where. I understand we're getting with this and it's entirely possible that's going to happen. I know what they said, that they're going to separate the business unit and then sell it off. But let's see what happens there. Yes, so but... Ba basically, we are going back to the 1980s ter terminals c connected via uh, the metaphor for a serial port to uh, a mainframe computer and then XMDCP in the next generation. I love that. 
Yes, but the thing is that uh, there are companies like Nutanix that yeah, are already, stepping in. already, yeah, already uh, trying to get people over. And from what I heard in the last couple of they weeks... Are, they are very successful. They are very yeah, successful. I know. Uh, I've heard stories about people reverting back to Hyper-V as well. And I also found a couple of stories a couple of weeks ago about people moving back to KVM, which is completely you know, off the rails in my, uh, in my head at least. But I understand why people are doing it. And is so it, is it possible that OpenStack is going to be a viable solution? Right? Yeah, ex exactly where I'm going with this. Oh, God. What's next, Zen? Why not? Works very well. Um, not in this particular usage case, but yes. I mean, KVM works. We didn't write a book about it for nothing. It works for a particular set of uh, circumstances uh, and particular particular set of loads. But on the other hand, when you are dealing with virtualization that we are talking about right now, probably KVM also makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make sense in the... Uh, what VMware did the best is that they created a virtualization um, environment that is able to run all the workloads. Mm -hmm. KVM is not... Easily. Easily. Easily, that's the keyword. Uh, but, but it's able to run all the workloads. Yeah. KVM isn't even able to do that. Yeah, I agree. Even if you jump through hoops, uh, play with the kernel settings, uh, XML files, uh, XML and files, and so on, some things are not going to work on KVM. But unfortunately, if you remove the VMware out of the equation, mm -hmm. then the next best, best thing is becomes either the cheapest one or the one that works. Mm -hmm. And KVM works is the cheapest one, and it works in most of the cases. So yeah, Nutanix works in almost all of the use cases. Yes, but you have to pay for it. No, I know, but. They haven't changed their pricing structure. Yes, but you have to pay for it. Yeah. And once you uh, say, okay, I'm going to move away from VMware, uh, you can say, okay, but can I just get away with KVM and just uh, not lose money? Because as we know, IT is always... Excel uh, uh, IT uh, managers. Excel uh, IT managers, uh, it's not a profit center. It's a, a cost center. So it costs money. It doesn't do anything and it doesn't make money. Sarcastic. But it's not sarcastic. Yeah. Whenever well, you ask anybody from the finance, uh, the IT is never making money. Mm -hmm. They're just uh, having their own budgets. They're wasting money on new hardware. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. software as well. And they're always they always want to buy new stuff without giving anything back to the company. Sure. And this you know this is the, this is it. Not from our perspective, but from the perspective of finance, yes. But from our perspective, I'm nope. not giving nothing away to the company. I'm just making it work. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give anything back to the company. Mm -hmm. What do I want to give it back? I just want to make it run. Yeah, that's what you give back to the company, exactly. So I'm more or less, <laughs> I'm more or less to have the same, the same function as a roof on the company. You don't have to have it. <laughs> yeah, but it's good to have it. Yes, but you, sometimes it makes sense. No, most of the times, yeah. Okay, okay. so let's get this thing uh, wrapped, up. wrapped up. Please do the wrap up. Now, before that, are we sure that uh, the Windows ARM thing is going to happen in 2024? Yes. Are you going to buy into that? Depending on the architecture. Meaning? Um, basically, in order for me to get uh, something that's going to be more or less experimental uh, technology, it needs to be Priced certainly, so I, I need I need a certain price uh, level, it's probably somewhere around six to seven hundred euros, to be willing to invest that amount of money into something that is going to uh, make uh, sense just for trying it. If you're talking about tinkering, why not risk five? <sighs> I think it's more. Probably that we're going to see uh, Qualcomm-based uh, ARM processors. So, risk five, no, because Qualcomm already has the processors. I know. Uh, I think that right now the decision on when to launch Windows on Qualcomm on the, the desktop is something that Microsoft is just keeping to itself. But they are able to execute. finalizing details for you mean? I think that the details have been finalized. Okay. I think that they just need to send the blueprints to the laptop manufacturers and say, okay, we need this. And Qualcomm already has those. So I think that this has been done. It's just a, it's just a matter of when 
Everybody is trying to go and uh, go uh, on the market. Okay, but we're still expecting hardware problems and driver problems and software problems and whatnot. Yes and no. Okay. Because depending on which part of the market you're aiming for. If you are aiming for the lowest end of the market, uh, the low-end uh, laptops that are going to be more or less upgraded Android uh, tablets, mm-hmm. uh, that are going to be uh, strictly um, uh, Qualcomm-based, you don't have that many drivers to deal with okay. because you're not going to get many uh, many extensions. And additional question to that, do you think that that's going to uh, completely uh, make null and void the idea of expandability? Because that might happen as well on yes. desktop. Yes, 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 so yes, no, yes. No more slots, no more nothing. I think you're going to have one more one slot for the computer. That's it. So your case is going to be a power supply, a graphics card, and then a slot for the motherboard. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see if that happens. Okay, well, we've done an hour, so I think it's about time that you head home. I, I think we need to we need to wrap this thing up because it's uh, the but New Year's is uh, New Year's is near, so the last um, last uh, minute buying of uh, oh impulse uh, impulse buying and Christmas gifts uh, is coming. So you're going to IKEA? No, I need to. Uh, I need an NVMe drive and some other other stuff. Then you're buying that to yourself, obviously. Yes, yes, of course, <laughs> of course. I need to give this great guy a gift, so... Yeah. Okay. Okay, thank you for the, everything that we have seen and done uh, from you uh, in the last year. And let's hope this is going to be one even more, even better. Yeah. Okay. See ya. Bye. Bye.